happy to be here. Could have been a whole lot of other places tonight. Could have been dead. Could have been crazy in the, in the mental hospital. I mean, all could have been, been lots of places. Could have been some poor unfortunate soul in Ukraine, in the Russian military. You know, lots of places we could have been, but we're in the house of God. It's a good place to be. Let's, uh, let's stand. Um, sing this by and by when the morning comes. <clears throat> Start with that chorus. <laughs> by and by when the morning comes.
Sister Sister Helen. Is there Sister Helen in the house tonight? There she is. Um, uh, brother, is it Brother Aaron's mother-in-law? Is that correct? And uh, she's going to have a special force and a little testimony and and a testimony and and uh, you can come up as as soon as uh, he's taken up the tithes and the offerings. God bless you all. Good to see you out here, bright and bushy paled on Wednesday night, ready to receive a blessing. Amen. Because he's got one. Amen. He's got one. It's so funny. It's so funny. Uh, Sister Angie Heth lives in Montana. She's my, my daughter's mother-in-law. Tomorrow she goes in to get an IV port. Um, she's the one that breast cancer, and it's actually all through her body. But um, she's just following through with the treatment and just believing God for her healing. Amen. So we just want to pray for her this evening. If you have a request upon your heart, I know we got just such crazy things going on out there. It's an insane world. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I love you this evening. Thank you for what you're doing for my son, Lord. Lord, I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. You're an amazing God, Father. We lift up Sister Angie Heth to you this evening, Lord. Pray for her every day. Think about her every day. Lord, just touch your body. Remember her family, Lord, and my son-in-law, her husband. Father, we just pray that you be with them. Lord, I love you. I pray that you bless those that are streaming, those that couldn't be here. Father, I know that you have something for us this evening. Lord, and I'm looking, I'm trying to do my part, Father, that I could receive what I have needed, that I could walk out those doors a better Christian than when I came in, Lord. Desire my heart, draw closer to you every day. And we sing that song by and by. Oh, what will it be like when we get over yonder, Father? Oh, no more cares, no more burdens, no more cars, no more traffic. Such simple things like that, no more cell towers, none of these worldly civilized things that are just, what a scar on the planet you made. I pray that you bless the tithes and offerings, bless the cheerful giver, Father. Bless the song service, bless the song leader, Father. Help us enter in, Father, regardless of how we feel. I praise and worship you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Invite our sister forward. Y'all give her a hand as she comes.
Brother Donnie about we don't want no snakes. And she took those two things and really took that to heart and said, that is not my confession. So they scheduled a follow-up surgery a couple weeks earlier. And the cancer that went from the surgeon calling my brother, who was an, onco who was an oncologist, a pediatric oncologist, and apologizing because he found so much cancer. He wasn't sure that he got it all. To say, the doctor's note said, your recent bladder biopsy showed no evidence of cancer and is normal. So. around subtle temptations troubled abound nothing seems hopeful nothing seems glad or is despairing everything sad keep on believing Jesus is near. Keep on believing. There's nothing to fear. Keep on believing. This is the way. Faith in the night as well as the day. If all were easy. If all were bright, where will the cross be and where is the fight? But in the hardness God gives to you, chances of proving that you are true. Keep on believing, Jesus is near. Keep on believing, there's nothing to fear. Keep on believing, this is the way. Faith in the night as well as the day. God is your wisdom, God is your might. God's ever near you, guiding aright. He understands you, knows all you need. Trusting in Him, you surely succeed. Let us press on, then never despair. Live about feeling. Us there. Jesus can keep us so near to Him that never more fish shall grow thin. Keep on believing, Jesus is near. 
keep on believing there's nothing to fear keep on believing this is the way faith in the night as well as a day <coughs> Keep on this assurance. This is my story. I am set free. Satan no longer rules over me. My chains are broken. I am set free. I have the victory. Over my There's a land that is fairer than day And by faith we can see it afar For the Father waits over the way To prepare us a We shall sing on that beautiful shore The melodious songs of the blessed And our spirits shall sorrow no more Not a sigh for the blessing of rest Oh, in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore 
sing it with us. To our bountiful Father above, we will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love. some people I want to meet on that shore. I don't know about you. Meet a better version of me, that's for sure. All right, let's stand and sing this. Um, uh, You are God alone. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are God alone.
Let's sing. Um, my God is awesome. Second Kings chapter 2, if you have your Bible, we'll go straight to the Word. Amen. Tonight, just happy to be here in the house of the Lord. And amen, thank you, amen, for all that worship. That was wonderful. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 4, we'll just begin reading. I would like to just minister to you tonight, if the Lord would help me, on anointed by the supernatural, part 2. This will be part 2 of where we left off last time. Elisha said unto, and Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. 
So they came to Jericho. We can skip some of this all the way down to verse 6. Elijah said unto him again, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Verse 9. Let's just begin actually just reading at verse 8. We'll read a few more. Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Asked what I shall do for thee. In other words, whatever you want is what's going to be granted. Much like Brother Branham asked Sister Hattie. Before I be, notice what he says here. Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. That's important. And he saw him no more. And this means that that promise that Elijah had promised him was going to come to pass. He said, if you don't see me, if you see me no more, it shall be unto thee. And if not, it won't. And he says here in, in verse, uh, find my place again in verse 12. And Elijah saw it, cried, Father, my father, he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own, of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he, had all, had, and when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Lord, we're so grateful to be here, Lord, in your house. Lord, now we've all, not one of us are here, Lord, without some need upon our heart. Lord, some prayer, Father, maybe that we're praying. We're all standing in need of you, me, Lord, as the minister here tonight along with these people. How we need you, Lord God, to come and speak to us, Lord, and break the bread of life to your children. Would you come now, Lord, and give us the words of life that you've intended for our church here, God, on this Wednesday night service. Lord, I just give you full control now. Lord, as I just surrender my vessel and myself, even all my notes, Lord, and everything that I've prepared, Lord, and labored for and dwelled on and throughout the day, Lord, I, Lord I'm laying those now and I'm just bringing them to your feet and saying, Lord, if, if you change me on anything, Lord, let me be, uh, Lord, just a microphone that you could speak through to your children. Lord, I pray, God, you take complete control and authority now. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It's amazing when you study this book of Kings, and we don't have really a lot of time to get to, um, to really give a good lesson on this book of Kings here tonight, but I think it's important that this is where our story of Elijah and Elisha comes from, and I almost titled this sermon, The Transfer of Anointing. 
And you'll understand that here in a moment. And that's really what's on my heart here tonight, my burden that I'll uh, come back to, is the transfer of the anointing. And you can see why when you read the story of Elijah. Thank you, Brother Matthew. And Elisha, that it was a transfer of an anointing that was coming from Elijah that would come on to Elisha. It's incredible when you parallel the two lives and the anointing that he's asking for when he says, give me a double portion. If you look through the Hebrew Jewish uh, historians who show you what it actually means when you ask for a double portion, he was asking for the inheritance of this man. So in other words, what Elijah has, has his ministry, his inheritance, Elijah's, Elisha's asking, let that same inheritance and anointing come upon my ministry, come upon my life. And you find this at an interesting time in the book of Kings when they are in, you, we, we can take just a few minutes just to lay some groundwork here, but you'll find this history of these men, whether it was a good man or a bad man. You can go all the way through the book of Kings, especially 1 Kings, and the writer would begin to list if it was a man who was good and it was a man who was evil and it was, it was a history. You know, it's incredible that the entire Bible is the history of the nation, not of the entire world. It's a history book. You don't find the history of China in the Bible. You don't find the history of America in the Bible. You don't find the history of Europe in the Bible. You find the history of one people and one nation because it would be this one elected group that would be the most important to God. And so you notice this here when he begins to list this king, whether he was a ruler and he ruled uh, as a good king, he did that which was right or he did that which was evil. And there was one measuring line, one metric that you could use if the man was good or if he was evil. Was he like David or not? He only had one metric. He either walked like David or he didn't. And if you walk like David, like the early days of David, then you were a good king. If you didn't live like David, you were not a good king. You were an evil king. And the Bible begins to list this. And it's incredible when I studied this just this afternoon, that in the Hebrew Bible, you have your English Bible here, and you open your Bible to the book of Kings, and you have 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And what's amazing is that in the Hebrew Bible, it's not called Kings, but it's actually called the kingdoms. And so he uses this word, the kingdoms, though we talk about the kings who rule the kingdoms. It's amazing that it's actually called the kingdoms of Israel because they were going to be led by kings. But in, the, in this book, it's actually called the kingdoms of Israel, not the kings. It's interesting just to note just enough that in English, a kingdom means a piece of land. That's how you relate to the word kingdom. You use this word later and you see it laced throughout the entire Old Testament of kingdoms all the way to Jesus when he begins to speak about the kingdom of heaven. And you'll, hear, you'll find the, the Lord re referencing that in parable after parable after parable, the kingdom of heaven. And if there was going to be a kingdom of heaven, there'd have to be a king. And if there was a kingdom and a king, there'd have to be a people who were the people of the kingdom. 
And so this is really who Jesus is speaking to, the people who were of the kingdoms, of the kingdom, and the people who were not of the kingdom. This goes all the way through the book of Revelations. Speaking about the new Jerusalem, it would be a kingdom, and there would be a king over that domain, and then there would be people who were part of that kingdom and that domain. And it's incredible because what they were on that side in heaven in eternity, if they lived in the kingdom there, it was only a representation that they were part of the kingdom here on earth. And if you're a part of the kingdom of God here, you're a part of the kingdom of God there. And if you're not a part of the kingdom of God here, you live on the outside of the kingdom. So what is it representing? In that kingdom, there was no sun. There was no moon. For the Lord was the light of the city. What is it representative of? That if the Lord is the light of the city there, that meant that if you're there, he was the light of your city here. So you didn't live by the moon or you don't live by the stars or the storm or the, uh, the cloud or the day or the night. But your life as a believer filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost is representing that you're already living where the Lamb is the light. It's incredible. It goes all the way through this to show that in, in English and a kingdom would mean, but if you have an English understanding, you won't understand what Jesus is meaning when he says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who goes to sow seeds and, and he goes and sows seeds and then, a, then another man comes beside, behind him and, and he sows tares right behind those seeds and then the, the, the servants come and say, Lord, should we pick up and pluck up the, the, the tares that have been planted with the wheat. And the, and the Lord says, no, let them grow together. And at the end, the angels will come and do the separating. So all of these, all of these examples Jesus gives, you can find that it's all part of the plan or the economy that God had in his mind before Adam fell. Before man was ever cursed, God already was moving towards this kingdom of where you'll be not just servants, not just peasants, but you'll be kings and priests also. Do you believe that here tonight? And so we think of this term of kingdom as, as, a, as, a, as a land or a, or a piece of property. You could say that to us it's like something uh, on a map, it's a, it's, a, it's a piece of land. Or we would say in kings and queen days, it was a realm. And then that king would be over that realm. But it's amazing because in the Hebrew mind, a kingdom was not looked at as land or a, or, or, or a piece, a parcel. But it was actually looked at as a reign rather than a realm. In other words, it was something that was defined in authority not in terms of area. So to the, king, to the Jewish mind, a king was a king, not because of how much land he had, but by how much authority he had over that dominion. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, let me just say this, we're not talking about a place, we're talking about a power. Hello, is somebody with me? Can you help me preach here tonight? When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not just talking about a place somewhere beyond the misty blue. We're talking about a power or an authority that Jesus had that has been transferred to his people. 
And so if you say, I'm a king, I'm a king and a priest, it's not about a king over a piece of property. It's about an authority that you have over your home, over your mind, over your body. Hello? That as a son of God, you have an authority that's been transferred from Jesus. And he said, greater works shall you do for I go to my father. And until you recognize the authority that's been given to you, you'll never run your home like a king. You won't run your mind like a king. You won't run your family. Hello, somebody. But when you realize that power has been given and authority has been given to you as the church of God, then you won't let the devil run all over you and trample all over your mind and trespass in your home and trespass in your family and trespass in your body. That's why when we pray for someone, we say, Satan, I rebuke you. You're a trespasser because this is the kingdom of God and I've been given authority over you. Jesus spoke this way and they didn't understand. How does he speak? He speaks like one who has authority. Yet he was so little and humble. And so a true kingdom In a true kingdom, the king is the absolute. He's the absolute power in a real kingdom. We're not talking about the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is not united and it's not a kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And so in a true kingdom, the king has the absolute power. He makes the laws. There's no parliament. There's no opposition party. There's no Democrats and Republicans. There's no votes. The king rules, and he rules by decree. It's what he speaks. That's why uh, 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 Ezekiel, or not, no, it's not Ezekiel. Um, uh, I'm looking for Ecclesiastes. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, where the word of a king is, there's power. So in other words, not where the army of the king is. It's not by how many nukes you have. It's not by how many planes you have. But the king, it wasn't about his, about his wealth. It was about how much authority and power he had. And so there's no, there's no opposition party. He spoke by decree. There was no debate. He makes a law and everybody has got to come in line under that law. Now, I ask you a question here, good old uh, United States of American citizens. Would you like a king? Would you like a king? Where we have not a president, not a parliament, not a, not a, not a, uh, a senate, not a house of congress, uh, but we have just a king. And there's no votes. He rules. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, whoa, where's this going? Would you like a king? Well, let me, te- let me ask you, what if I can find a king who's absolutely just in everything he does. What if I told you about a king who was so great he would lay his own life down for his people? He would see that there were no poor in his kingdom. There were no sick in his kingdom. There were no one that was uncared for. There was no outcast in his kingdom. But everybody would eat at the king's table. Now do you want a king? What about a king who had a kingdom where there was no fear? Uh, there, was no so, there was no stress. There was no worry. You see, the, the, you see, you say, Brother Matt, what is the kingdom? The kingdom depends on who's the king of the kingdom. And let me just tell you, there's a people who are ready to crown King Jesus and say, that's the king I'll take for my life. 
who makes the law. He rules by his word, and I'll obey that word. So the kingdom depends entirely on the character of the king. So you need to understand from the Hebrew title, these books uh, is the kingdom of Israel. And the kingdom was the rule of a man. And his kingdom ceased when he ceased. His kingdom was over when he, when he died. And then another kingdom began. And kings begins to record, record this. So we talk about the kingdom of Israel or the kingdoms of Israel. And the, he would begin to list the, the, the conduct and the character. And really, it was the king's conduct and character that determined the fate of the entire nation. Isn't it incredible that before kings, for a thousand years before they're ruled, they're first ruled by patriarchs, and then they're ruled by prophets, and then they're ruled by kings, by priests. But did you real, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you realize that before kings, God would always talk about the people, and whether it was a good thing he had to say about the people or a, or a bad thing to say about the people. But when kings came along, God refers to the evil king or the good king. Because it was presumed that however the, whoever the king was, whatever the character of the king was, would identify the character of the people. That's why Ahab being a king was representative of the evil heart of all of Israel. As we said here before, Ahab didn't, it wasn't just bad luck that a bad king got in. But Ahab was literally the representation of their heart. And so it was important what his character was. It decided the fate of the nation. And so until Israel had the kings, uh, let me just move through some of this so I don't get too bogged down here tonight. So you can assume that what the king did, everybody else would do. They would follow him and what he would say and how he would live and how he would act. And how he would react. Don't you see that that transcends that Brother Brandon would even come to a church and say the, the pastor depended on the pastor of the church. That people, if they're not careful, they take on the spirit of the pastor. That can be a good thing or that could be a bad thing. Say, let's get off the pastor. Okay, let's move to fathers. Do you realize that the character of the father would be representative to the character of the rest of the family? That whatever the conduct of the, of the man was, the leader, this is how God designed the family. This is how he designed the home. It's how he designed his kingdoms. However the husband was, whatever his character was, it would ultimately be a reflection. His family would be a reflection of what was on the inside of him. <clears throat> Watch the man here just a few years ago and I was with another pastor and we were going to a, to a tourist spot where I was preaching and there's a young lady there in front of us and a man and she just, you couldn't even hardly look. She was uh, uh, just hardly had nothing on. I mean, the, uh, just every part of her showing to the entire world as they walked. And I watched that man who was walking beside her and me and the pastor just began to talk and I thought, here, this is his wife. And I thought, it's incredible because I can't look into the heart of that man or see what's in his mind. I don't have that power. But all I've got to look at is the woman he chose, and it will reveal to you everything that's in his heart. 
Lord, I don't know where you have me, but I'm going to keep going. And so they followed this king, his character, whatever his character, if it's a good king or bad king, if it's a good king, they, they followed the king and, and uh, they lived in peace. If he was a bad king, they lived in war. And so in the book of Kings, the emphasis is on the king. It's on the ruler, what he did and whether he was good. As we said, they measured it by, by David, if he was like David. And, and so David becomes the metric by which every king of Israel is judged and so so we go on through this and and let me just let me just find my place here and so what would happen is is that it's it's so interesting because this is it as you look through these examples there was a man called Omri and and you can read about Omri historically for Israel and he was politically one of the most successful kings over Israel Politically, he he brought he brought more. They got more gains under Omri than I think it was the, the the accumulation of six kings before him. And so he was a man who had an outstanding reign as a king. You could say his his resume was flawless. He was he brought wealth as far as economically goes. They, they more soared and had a better economy under Omri because he was a genius. Under Omri than any other king, he lifted the Omri, lifts them economically out of poverty. It had a, it had a tremendous success. But what's so amazing is in the book of Kings, there's seven verses written about him. And then he's dismissed. What does it tell you? That to God, because why? If you read the Kings, it said, Omri did that which was evil in the sight of God. So what was it showing you about God's perspective? Whatever he did in wealth, whatever he did economically, meant nothing to God. It meant zero to God. He said almost nothing about Omri and dismissed him off because he was evil. So in God's perspective, it doesn't matter what you do in this earthly life, how successful you are, what you build up economically or politically. To, in God's mind, it only matters what you're sowing into the kingdom of God. I just read that and said, Lord, let my life be a life that's representative, not of great success around me, but let me live like David. Let me have a heart like David, Lord. Let me be looked at as successful in your eyes, Lord. So we, we, you come all the way down through all of this, uh, all of these achievements of all of these men who did evil, and God brings them all the way through the history, all the way to this time to where the kingdom's divided under Solomon. And now you have these two prophets who come on the scene, Elijah. And Elisha, 2 Kings is incredible. Turn there with, you, with me in your Bible, if you could. We're going to take a turn here. Notice here in 2 Kings, where we've read from, and we're just going to read just a few more verses out of here where we, where we uh, picked up before we had to be seated. I want you to notice here in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, and this is the story of Elijah and the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And it's incredible because Elijah, you could imagine Elisha was just so enamored by the ministry of Elijah. Just to be a, a, have a front row seat to Carmel, Mount Carmel, and to see the, just the spectacular anointing that Elijah operates under. 
and the, uh, the, the supernatural that accompanies the ministry and the miracles that, that happened through the life of Elijah. He sees him, you know, th- you, can, you can go through the miracles and, and show the supernatural that was done in the life of Elijah and then transferred on to Elijah. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal. And Elisha said unto Elisha, Terror here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. You go all the way through this entire story. And I'm going to slow down just here for a moment. And you come all the way through the earthly ministry of this man. And God has told Elijah that he's going to take him home. And that his ministry is over and And now there's this journey that Elijah brings his servant Elisha through. And they go to two cities, Bethel and Jericho. And it's incredible because in both of these cities, God had done miraculous things through Elijah's ministry. And in the times of Elijah, these cities, both of them are serving the Lord. They're both, you would say, on fire for God. But now that Elijah's ministry is going off and fading off the scene, and Elisha's coming on the scene. Now Bethel has backslidden. It's at a very different place than when Elijah was in the full swing of his ministry, and they're backslidden. Jericho, you'll find, is the same exact way to where the people has turned their hearts from God. They were dry and and barren and, and dead. You could say that they were, it was a dryness and a deadness that it came over this, this city of Jericho. And so he goes over and he's across the Jordan River and we know the story that a chariot's going to come down from heaven and it's going to pick up Elijah and it's going to translate him from this dimension into another dimension. And Elisha's going to witness all this. He's going to see the, 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 the crescendo, you would call it, the capping of Elijah's ministry and he watches all the way through his entire life and all the miracles. And then he, this old prophet, you would say this, this man who's now at the end of his journey brings Elisha, this young prophet, and he brings him to his, here's his last day on earth. Here's the, here's his last few hours, the last day, then it turns into the last hours he has to be in this dimension. In the last few moments, I got just to thinking of this over the last week and week and a half, that it's incredible when you start looking at some of the last words. This is some of the last thoughts that Elijah's going to speak and utter out of all of the mighty powerful things Elijah's voice has been used to say. And now here he's coming to his last words. What's the last things on his heart? What's the last thing in his mind before he leaves this world and he goes into the other world? And it's incredible. You could read this about David and as David on his deathbed and and he begins to speak about his last words. And then you can read about Solomon and the Bible records these last words, the last few things that they had to say. And he, he decides, Elijah, to bring him through these two towns, Bethel. And Jericho. 
and he tells Elijah to, to come with him. And so the Bible picks it up here and they tarry together and he comes to this city and he visits both towns and, 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 and he gets to the bank of the river Jordan after all, the, all of this journey. And Elijah takes off his mantle and, 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 and here's, a, here's, a, here's a mantle which is just like a loose fitting garment that he has over him. You can imagine what it would look like or what it would be. Use your imagination. But you have this long maybe robe flowing down. And here, here's Elijah and this, this mantle is going to represent his anointing. It's going to represent something to Elisha because it's what Elisha uses on the Jordan River just a few verses later. So in this mantle, you could say though the cloth or the, the clothes, the fabric had nothing really unearthly about it it was very much like any other piece of garment but it wasn't the garment wasn't the fabric or how it was stitched or how it was sewed but it was the inheritance or the blessings that God had saturated this mantle with in Elijah's life it was representative of an anointing that it had came upon the ministry of Elijah and you, 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 we, 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 we know as we spoke on last time that that word, that anointing, it's, it's representative of something. It's not like the charismatic would use the word anointing and, and then people, you know, feel a shake or a shiver. But an anointing in the Bible meant a smearing. That's so important when you look at this. It meant a smearing. It was, they would take olive oil and they would smear it or they would rub it, rub it. And, and what was it doing? It was anointing or it was placing or transferring something that was supernatural to a vessel that was very natural. And so it was transferring a blessing or transferring a promise. This is fathers, patriarchs would do this. You find it with Jacob and, and Esau and with their father. It was a transfer, the birthright. It was an anointing. It was, it was an inheritance. It was, it was something that they were, they were taking from one uh, place and placing it on someone else. Brother Marion picks this up here, and I'm just going to pause just for a moment to read this. Brother Mark, if you just display that PowerPoint and have it just for the rest of the time would be good. And Brother Brandon begins to pick this up and he says, may the Holy Spirit teach us and why Christ speak that the things we ought to know that we may in, then in return listen closely to every word, weigh it deeply and then may those who are listening by the way of tape, may they listen close and may we be able to catch what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal for we realize if he should anoint us, then the anointing is not in vain. It's for a purpose that it might work to the good to the Lord. So that anointing was for a purpose. He anointed him for a reason. Let me, just, let, me, let me go a little bit further so your mind gets with my mind here. When I say the anointing was for a purpose, what I'm meaning is, is that there was a purpose that was on the anointing. And what was important is that not just that the oil that you would get oily... It wasn't just that you would feel a sensation. I hope you catch this here when I'm preaching. It wasn't just for a sensation or for something that was bright and shiny. But there was a purpose that God had placed on the anointing. And when you receive the anointing, the, per, the, the, the point was that that purpose was transferred onto you. 
That's why we anoint someone when we come up for prayer and the book of James tells us to, to anoint those with oil, those that are sick. Let the elders of the church anoint them with oil. It's not that the oil itself has any special magic power or potion, but there's a purpose in the scripture of a promise that Jesus gave. And so we represent that purpose in that oil so that when we put it on your head, that promise that Jesus gave is transferred from the Bible into your body. We could use that about any, any of the promises of God. The point of the purpose is that there was a transfer of that promise that Jesus gave to come upon you. So that anointing that he was sending from Elijah to Elisha was that there would be a transfer of the purpose that God had placed in Elijah. The purpose that he had sent Elijah for. Behold, I send unto you Elijah the prophet. And here's the purpose, that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. So when Brother Branham receives that anointing of Elijah, it isn't just so he can do supernatural miracles. It isn't just so that he could speak squirrels into existence. It's so that the purpose that was in God's mind would be transferred unto the prophet and the prophet would fulfill, Brother Random would fulfill literally, but it wasn't his message. That's why Brother Random said, it wasn't me who appeared there on the Ohio River. I was only standing there when he showed up. And so what was his ministry? It was the purpose of the anointing that was on Elijah and then moved to Elisha and then moved to John the Baptist. And that that ministry or that anointing would come upon and be transferred to Brother Branham. So his anointing was not his own anointing. It wasn't an emotion. It wasn't a sensation. It was something from the mind of God when he placed it in the first man, Elijah, the Tishbite. And that same anointing would be passed on from Elijah to Elijah to John the Baptist all the way to Brother Branham. And so when you hear the ministry of the tape, and you're hearing what Brother Branham's saying on tape, you're hearing the anointing of Elijah. And that's important because it didn't rest on any other man. You couldn't get that from Benny Hinn. You couldn't get that from Oral Roberts. You couldn't get that from Billy Graham. They had an anointing, and that anointing was to transfer to a certain people. But when you're hearing our Elijah, you're hearing the anointing that was specifically sent for one group of people. It wasn't for the whole world. Not the whole world can hear it. They can't receive the anointing. But when you hear that prophet speak, it speaks to you more than just a language or a story. But it's an anointing that comes from the tape. And it goes on to the seed. And there's a transfer of that promise to the bride. And so Brother Adam says, if he's going to anoint us, we know it's for a purpose. What was it representative of that anointing that would flow? David speaks of it in Psalms 133. Oh, how precious it is for brethren to dwell. How beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing that flowed from Aaron's head down to his beard. From his beard onto the Urim Thummim. And from the Urim Thummim down onto his skirts. 
And from his skirts all the way. You say, Brother Matt, why is that important? Because on that Urim was all of the representation of all of Israel. Of the topaz and the carbuncle and the, and the jasper stone and the sardis. What were all those stones representative? Those, Brother Branham says those mothers, when they gave birth, he said there was an anointing that came upon that mother and she would call out the name of that child. What was it going to do? The prophet said because there were to be an anointing that was upon the life of Simeon that wasn't on the life of Benjamin. That's why Brother Branham says it's important what sign you're born under in earth. It's representative of an anointing or something that God has placed in you before you ever breathed your first breath. There's an anointing he's given you. There's a purpose that he has for your life. And so on that Urim, it would represent all of the 12 tribes. And so when that anointing came on Aaron, who was who? The high priest. It didn't just stay bottled up on Aaron's head, but it had to be transferred from his head to his beard to all of Israel. And now that same anointing that was on Aaron came upon the entire nation. What was it representing, Brother Matt? That God did not intend to bottle up all of the authority of Jesus into Brother Branham. It would have to move from Brother Branham to the priest. And let me just say, this message is not a revival of just Brother Branham. It's not just a revival of what God did in the the life and ministry of of William Branham. That's wonderful. There was an anointing. But that anointing moved from a prophet. And it had to be transferred to a people. And let me go further. This message, this anointing, this revival is not just a revival of preachers. It's not just a revival of ministers. But it's got to move from the prophet to the preachers to the people. And you receive the anointed word. Brother Branham, I heard him say that today. And who do you say this is? He says, what is a Messiah? It's the anointed. You become the anointed word. We're going to go through some of this. Let's just go just a little bit further. Listen to what Brother Adam says here, and I want to go to slide eight. If I have control, do I have that up here, the clicker? Up here somewhere. Looks like I don't. You'll just have to go to slide eight. That's fine. Notice what Brother Branham says here in Why Christ Speak. Just as we know now, as a man asked me a few moments ago about the coming and the rapture, we know we've lived the time out. At the time of the, and he says, and the time of the rapture is at hand. You believe that? So Brother Adam's talking about supernatural strength. He's talking about Moses in this message. And he says, we've lived the time out. Can someone bring me that clicker if you have it? If the PowerPoint remote's back there, if someone could bring it, that'd be wonderful. Notice here, he says, we've lived the time out. At the time, and he says, and the time of the rapture is at hand. And we're, notice, Not just inclusive to him, not just inclusive to us, but just as you're looking for rapture in faith, God's prophet was also looking for rapture in faith. We're looking for a rapture in faith. Amen. It's not working. That's fine. That's all right. You can control it with the mark. 
And he says that can pull the church together and give it some supernatural strength. That can change these bodies that we live in. When we see a God that can raise the dead. So what's he saying? There's got to come an anointing. There's got to come an anointing. Because with an anointing comes a purpose. And because there's a promise, there's a purpose. What is the promise? We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in the moment. In the twinkling of an eye. So that was the promise which gave us the purpose. But there's got to be a people who can be anointed with that scripture. Listen, the entire Bible, there's scriptures that are written in here that aren't about you and have nothing to do with you. When it talks about the foolish virgin, it ain't got nothing to do about you. When it talks about the sons and children of disobedience, I don't find my place in the Bible there. There are people who are fulfilling Luke, uh, Revelations 3 of the church that kicks Jesus out of his own church. There's a church that's lukewarm in Laodicea who's cold and starchy and indifferent and intellectually minded and don't have any of the spirit of God. Let me just say, that's not your anointing. That's not your promise. That's not your scripture. But there was something written about me that said, he that to him that overcometh shall I grant to sit with me on my throne even as I overcame and am set down with my father on his throne there's, there's, a, there's a promise here notice he says a rapturing faith and he said they can give it some supernatural strength that can change these bodies that we live in when we see a God that can raise the dead off the floor or out of the yard and bring him back to life again and present him before us. When we see a God who can take a cancer that it's, that's eat a man to a shadow and raise him up to a strong, healthy man. That ought to make us rejoice. That ought to bring excitement. That ought to bring revival. That ought to bring supernatural strength. But listen to what Brother Random says it ought to do. That ought to give rapturing faith to the people. What ought to give? I was reading the countdown this, this evening before coming out here. And Brother Random comes to the end of that message and he says, Lord, I pray that you create a crave in those people. And I thought about that. I said, yes, Lord. Yes, if I don't have the right crave, I think that I do. I crave for the Lord. I crave for his word. But I just want to stop and say, Lord, if I don't have the right craving, then put it inside me, Lord. Oh, that's so simple. But I just want to ask you, is that your desire to say, Lord? He says, let it be a crave. And he says, Christ will be so real in their bodies till he can change their body. I am more convinced than ever before it is the same power that heals your body of disease is the same power that will change your body one day. Christ will be so real in their bodies. Say, what does that mean? We ought to have faith to believe God can heal you if you're sick. He can heal you if you're depressed. He can deliver you if you're addicted. Come on, do I got a church that believes that? 
We still believe in the transforming power that God can take a man from the nothing, from nothing, from the uttermost, the guttermost, and can lift him up out of the miry clay. Brother Branham said, that ought to give us rapturing faith to the people. I put these photos to the next slide just to think here, just in our own assembly here. It was a man with a tumor on his neck the size of a grapefruit. Then me and Brother Travis went in his living room and witnessed this is just months ago. Go to the next one, Brother Mark. Here he is with a, a tumor ate up in his body. Further than that, go on, further than that. It goes from that large black mass you see of that tumor spread to his entire body and it's eating up his entire body and he's told he's going to die. But there's an anointing upon a promise and there was a promise made. Oh, come on, somebody. There was a promise made and somebody believed that promise. And somebody accepted that promise. And that promise was transferred from Jesus' word to ink on paper, to a person reading it, to a heart that believes it, and a faith that's anoints it. And what does it do? It transfers. You shall lay your hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. You shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And don't doubt in your heart. And you shall have what you ask for. What is that proof of? There's no cancer in his body. The only dark spot is his heart and his lungs and his organs. Why? Brother Branham says that ought to give you rapturing faith. That if God could heal a man of cancer, God can change your, your vile body into a body that is unlikened unto his. With no sickness and no depression and no anxiety and no nothing. Whatever you need in this life. The prophet of God said it's already inside of the seed that's laying down inside of you. All it takes is a believer to believe that promise. And to say I believe everything I need in this life is already in the seed. Oh, don't you realize, friends, when a preacher's preaching to you, he's not there to give you something new. He's not there to put something inside of you. He's stirring what's already down on the seed. And when I preach the word, something says, amen. I believe it, Lord. I accept it. What is it? It's not something from outside of you. It's down on inside of the seed God placed in you. And you can accept it. You say, what does that mean? You can ask for anything that's according to his word and that promise transfers from the Bible to your life. Hallelujah. Oh, give the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise. He's worthy of it. Hallelujah. You say, why did that happen? To give a little church in Beaufort, South Carolina, faith. I pray for Marcus that God does more than just a miracle in his body, but does a miracle in his heart. But even if it never does, and he's came as far as God has ever made him to come, then let that faith be transferred, not just from a testimony of a man who was healed of cancer, but I say, let it anoint our faith here in this church tonight. Let us anoint it. Let it anoint our, let it anoint our faith to ask for anything in my name and don't doubt. And you shall have what you ask for. Listen to what Brother Random says here. And I'm just going to go through these. And I know we got to close this. 824. From some of the earliest. Listen. Let's go to that one. That's good. That's when the light flashes from the sky. The trumpet sounds. The body of Christ will be quickly gathered together and changed in a moment. Taken to the heavens. Yes. There's 
got to be something like that happen. Just heard him say that. I can hear his words still in my mind. Yes, there's got to be something like that happen. And our schools of theology can never produce that. Yet they're intellectually all right. But you've got to meet that light. You've got to find that something. Listen, what was on his heart from the earliest recorded sermons that we have of Brother Branham as I did scoured through this and, and put these quotes together and even still in a study to find as you find the last words of Elijah speaking to Elisha. And he's, and he's saying to Elisha, if you, if you come to Jericho and, and he's, he's speaking some of his last words and he tells him, you know, Elisha, just, just pastor here. It'd be a good church. You can pastor this group of people. And you know what Elisha said? Elisha said, nope. You mean it wasn't enough, Elijah, to, have, to witness what Elijah did in the ministry of Elijah? Come on, you've seen the miracles of Elijah. And here's even the prophet telling you, stop at Bethel, build a church, get your kids here, plan, build a house. Come on, Elijah. You'd make a good pastor. Takes him from Bethel to Jericho. Here's Jericho. Now, in Elijah's ministry, it was, uh, it was a revival. And now you come to the end of Elijah's ministry and they're not only backslidden and cold and hardened hearts, they're worse than before Elijah's revival. Bethel's the same. I could read you and we had it in our notes and I won't take the time to do it. I could read you about the miraculous that God did in the city of Bethel. And they were backslidden people. God sends a prophet, Elijah, and there comes a revival. Now at the end of Elijah's ministry, that same city's backslidden. But not only are they backslidden, they're twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. It's a more impossible situation than when Elijah was there. And now the prophet is saying to the next generation, come on, Elijah, stay here. Tarry here. Wait here. Just, you just live here. What's he doing? He's testing, his, he's testing Elisha. He's bringing him through some tests to see, will you stay with the word? Do you recognize what's in my ministry? Because Elisha, here's what Elisha was aware of. Until I have that mantle. I'm staying right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Elisha recognized, I might be good. I might have seen a lot. I might, have got, I might be a good preacher. But until I have what you have, what was it? He wasn't going to stop at a good sensation. He wasn't going to stop at a good ministry or good sermon. He wanted what Elijah had on his life to be transferred to him because he knew he could never face the challenge of Jericho and Bethel unless he had the mantle of Elijah. And he says, as the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth. 2022, he would have said, I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying right here right beside you. Why? Because he recognized there was an anointing upon this ministry that wasn't on any other ministry, not at any other denomination, not at any other church, not at any other camp meeting, not at any other co uh, convention. 
There was a power, there was an anointing that was upon this man. And Elisha said, I'm going to stay right beside you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right beside you. And he takes him all the way to to Jordan. It's incredible because the Bible doesn't record that Jordan's flooded. It's not, waters aren't raised. There's no reason to part Jordan. Oh, but there is. There's no reason they could have got a boat. They could have went across Jordan. But for Elijah, it was important to the ministry of Elisha that Elisha was with Elijah when he went through the Jordan and parted the Jordan. Why? Because Elijah knew Elisha would come to the same exact challenge in his life. He would challenge the same devils who said the days of miracles are past. He would challenge and be challenged by the same intellectual demons. He would be challenged by the same evil spirits. He would have the same powers of darkness that was trying to attack and stop the ministry of William Branham is the same exact spirits because spirits never die. Is that what Brother Branham taught us? People die, spirits never die. And the same challenges that would face his ministry would now face Elijah's ministry. And you're going to have to come here again, Elisha. And when you come to this Jordan, tapes and books are wonderful and pictures and photographs are wonderful. Watching video of Deep Call to the Deep, that's wonderful. You get faith by watching that. But until that same mantle of of anointing that is on those tapes and was on those books and was on those videos. Oh, can somebody help me preach here tonight? Until that same faith comes off of those tapes and off of those stories and goes from promise to purpose to anointing. You'll never part Jordan. And he comes and the Bible says he goes and he comes to this here, and I just want to save that. We'll just save that here just for a moment. Notice what Brother Branham's in the firm of the, some of the earliest recordings in his ministry. And I, these didn't come through very good, so I'm going to read them to you, and you'll just have to trust me that I'm not adding anything to what Brother Branham said here. They didn't come, they didn't come out exactly right. <clears throat> Brother Branham says this, I know the next thing to happen. Now, this is the message, the angel of God. In 1948... So some of the earliest. I know the next thing to happen is the restoration of the gifts to the church. It's the hardest thing I've had to do. I was sitting on the airplane when I read this. It's the hardest thing I've had to do in this pioneering work. So wait a minute. What was Brother Branham doing? He was pioneering the way. Not so that we could say that's not the way anymore. Hello, somebody. He was pioneering. He was blazing. Do you know the hardest thing is not to walk down the trail, but to blaze the trail. And so he created the trail. And he and, and, and Brother Ram said, it's been the hardest thing I've had to do in this pioneering work is to do, is to see this. Now he says, in this pioneering work is to do this, as to see the people that, notice, but if all the full gospel people would come in one heart and one accord, There would be a revival that would shake the whole world. And every spiritual gift would be in the church within an hour's time after it took place. Signs and wonders that was done by the apostles 
would be a minor thing to what we would do if we could get just get the church together. It's got to happen. Amen. Let me read you what's not on the screen. It will happen. It may be after I've passed off the scene, but I want to put my word in this that you might know that my voice is this. I love the way Brother Branham says that. I want to just put my word on magnetic tape so that it's never lost. This is what I support. This is what I believe. You say, what is it, Brother Matt? This pioneering work to see the gifts flowing in the body of the church. As I read that on the plane, I typed out, I said, what a slap in the face it would be then after Brother Brandon pioneers the work for a church to come later and say, we don't need those gifts anymore. We don't need the supernatural anymore. We just got a tape player. We just press play and obey. Listen, it's so clear in Brother Branham's ministry. It was never his intention to bottle up the gifts, the anointing, the supernatural in one person. It was clear his desire was to see the book of Corinthians, the book of Ephesians, the book of Acts bursting out of the church, bursting out of the pews, breathing out of the people where it was a body ministry, not just a prophet, not just five preachers, a five gifts, a fivefold ministry, but the entire body. And he says, every spiritual gift would be in the church. So it's got to happen. It will happen. It's to my humble belief that we're living in the end time. Or may I make it a little more personal than that saying, he says, let me restart the quote. He says, it's to my humble belief that we're living near the end time. Or may I make it a little more personal than that saying we're living in the end time. And if I believe it's time for the restoration of the church that was promised that God would sin in the last day, and I believe that this is the day when the word has been preached so much and the day's getting so dark, so evil, till according to God's word, he was to restore all that the caterpillar had eaten. I know this is on your screen, so just listen. The palmer worm had eaten. And he says, and it would be restored back. And this is the day of the restoration of the spiritual gifts given unto the church. I'm not just preaching on gifts. I'm not just preaching on the re- just the restoration of the gifts. What I'm preaching to you is that it was Brother Branham's ministry that the anointing that was on the Bible would come off the Bible. And it would live in men. And it would live in women. And it would live in teenagers. It would live in five-year-olds and seven-year-olds and 30 and 60-year-olds. It was his desire that that promise of that anointing would come upon the whole church. Why, as we said this last time, that's why he spoke to a little woman. Brother Branham says, God bypassed all of the celebrities. He bypassed all of the riches, rich and famous. And he came to a little illiterate woman named Hattie Wright. And Brother Branham says, she says, Brother Branham, that's nothing but the truth. Did she pass some kind of degree? Did she pass some kind of test of conduct? 
Was it because of how much of uh, how, how many tapes she listened to that morning, or how much of the Bible she even read, or how good she was, or how was it based upon anything? No, it was based upon simple faith that could say, "I believe it." That's nothing but the truth, Brother Brandon. And Brother Branham says those words, when Hattie Wright uttered those words, that's nothing but the truth, Brother Branham. Brother Branham says those words moved heaven. And words that might have seemed so simple. You know, sometimes it's the simple things you say in prayer. Everyone's looking for the big extravagant things you could say to God. God's just looking for a little simple heart that'll say that's nothing but the truth. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe it with everything that's within me. Oh, how many could identify and say that? I've got simple enough faith to say, I believe it with all of my heart. That's nothing but the truth. Don't try to complicate it. It's not complicated. Hello, somebody. He said that moved heaven. And Brother Brandon says, Sister Hattie, you ask for whatever you want right now. Whatever you have need of. And Brother Branham says, and she had one thing on her mind. Her lost boys. Her two lost children. Brother Branham says she could have asked for anything. But she think, she's thinking of not of things in time, but things in eternity. You say, Brother Matt, why is that such a, why is that so important? Because that same faith that was on Hattie Wright has to be transferred from a promise to a woman to a people. And you can have faith to ask for your unsaved children and your lost daughter and your lost son and your lost whoever it is here tonight. Why did Brother Branham speak to a storm? It was not so that we could say, look at what the power of God that he did in Brother Branham's ministry, but so that you could speak to your storm. You can speak to your cancer and your disease and your sickness. And that anointing, that supernatural faith would come off that page and come to a person. He says, and when the church puts forth another church, this is from the earliest tapes that we have. Notice this is 1960. It wasn't so from the beginning. When the church puts forth another church, It'll be a Pentecostal church, not 1906, but Acts. Hello? With signs, with the signs of the Acts in the apostles, doing the same thing with the same Jesus, working the same. Because he's the same yesterday and forever. A Pentecostal branch filled with the Holy Ghost, signs and wonders of the resurrection, great things taking place among them. They who know their God in the last days shall do exploits. Yes, we're at the end time. We go to some of the last recorded sermons that we have. Now we find out that in the time that when this great thing has been brought up, find out that we're missing something in our churches. Wait a minute. The seals in 1963 have already been opened. And now you have the prophet coming uh, in the message, does God change his mind? What a title. Does God change his mind? 1965. We're at the end. There's Elijah and his last words. 
the last few things on his heart. Here he is in 1965. We find out we're missing something in our churches. And that is the power of Christ. Now look, I don't want to criticize. I love you and genuine, true love always is corrective. Now we're missing Christ in our church. I stopped right here reading this quote. And my mind immediately left this church or any church. And I brought it a little bit further. And I brought it right to my home. And then I went a little bit further. And then I went right to my home. And Brother Branham says, now we're missing something. We're missing Christ in our church. We're missing Christ amongst our Pentecostal people. And brothers and sisters, there's something wrong. Listen, he says, the old-fashioned prayer meetings, they used to have all day and night. They don't have them no more. Our women used to wear long hair. They don't do it anymore. It would be a disgrace for a woman to paint and use paint back in the early days and act the way that these women do. Something went wrong. Nothing's wrong with Christ. See, but something went wrong. You remember the quote we heard on Sunday? It wasn't the Bible. It was the interpretation that was wrong. It was Eve's interpreter. And he says, something went wrong. Something is somewhere. The pulpit used to wouldn't have permitted such a thing as that. But it does now. See, the crisis is on. And we're missing something. We're missing power that we ought to have. We're the big machine ought to be running up in great signs and wonders. Well, this building ought to be sitting so full of the power of God now till a sinner couldn't stay in here. The Holy Spirit can dim in it right quickly. Like that, like Ananias and Sapphira. And we're missing something. Now, we've taken you all the way from the early to some in 60, 62. Now we're all the way in April of 1965. And Brother Branham's going to come to the God of this evil age in August. And he says, now she has caused the whole world to accept the scientific leadership of the educational program that Satan has given her. Given to her. Under the name of a church. The leadership of an educational scientific program. I'm picturing to you the God of this world. When she, as Eve, had the very filling of God's word in her hand, she could have took God's word. But what did she do to that? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. I'm reading this slow intentionally because this is the words of Elijah to Elisha. And this is what's on his heart. She's instead of tarrying, she let science prove to her it's, it's only for the disciples. Notice this. Instead of keeping divine healing going, when she ought to now raising now, he says when she ought to be now raising the dead and doing great miracles. Now, Brother Branham is referring to the church who has put Christ out of his own church. He's referring to the church of Laodicea. We're not the church of Laodicea. Hello? 
We've heard a voice. Come up. Come out of her, my people. Don't be a partaker of her. That you be not a partaker of her plagues. Then let me just say this. That anything he said to condemn or to rebuke the false church should never be guilty in the true church. I just want to put my voice here and say, God, don't ever let us be guilty. Don't ever let us be guilty of the God of this evil age, of what he explained away to Eve. We ought to now be raising the dead and great miracles taking place. You say, Brother Matt, what are you preaching? I'm preaching what your expectation should be. If it's not here, friends, if we, if we don't see the word manifesting in our life, what ought we to do? Brother Matt were to explain it away and say it was just for another age. And it's the, I mean, do you realize when you place the promises of God? Just heard Brother Brandon, my brother had sent this quote just uh, to me the other day. It was actually to a, a group. And he says that when you place the promises of God that are in the Bible on any other age than present day, you're under a delusion of Satan. So when we explain away the promises of God, Brother Branham says, it was for another age, and she's believed it. Listen to this here. Do I still got you? Eight of you, do I still got you? Thirteen of you, do I still got you? I heard somebody on the internet say amen. Praise God. When the Bible said, this is the Bible, the things that I do, shall you do also. Jesus said that. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I love this. We're still creatures. These signs shall follow, not Brother Branham. Hello? These signs shall follow, not Brother Bosworth. I'm reading a quote here. Brother Branham saying that. Not Brother Bach, not Brother, not Brother Bosworth, not Brother Roberts. But these, shall, these signs shall follow every one of them that believe. I believe. I'm a believer. I may not have much, but I have this. I believe. I believe the promise of God. I accept it for my life. But she denies every bit of it. She denies all the supernatural. And she swapped it for his intellectual conception of the Bible. Where priest and holy father, so-called, were bishops, archbishops, district presbyters, general overseers, so forth, put their own interpretation to it. And God has left them set there dead as 12 o'clock. And I believe the same thing we live in today, God bearing record of his word by vindicating what he said he would do. Now we know that this is the day of salvation. I believe that. Where God is calling men from the world, from a life of sin unto a life of service. And in the day that God has poured out a spirit from on high, great signs and wonders are to accompany the ministry of this day. Amen. Brother Matt, are you preaching that we ought to look for signs? Yes! Amen. Let me just kill and squash that cockroach devil right here. Yes! You say, why? Well, you're preaching on looking for signs and wonders? Yes. Why? Because the Bible said they would be here. And I believe the Bible. You say, Brother Matt, what are we to do? We're, we're to lay aside every weight and every sin that doth so easily beset us. Every thought and every idea that we have. And believe every word that has been spoken. All of it. 
And he says, great signs and wonders are to accompany the ministry of this day. This is when the former and latter rain are falling together. The former and the latter rain are falling together. What was it? The former rain, the teaching rain. That's still happening now. If we just have the latter rain, why do you have this quote of Brother Random saying they fall together? We're still teaching. We're, that's why we're preaching. What is that latter rain? Brother Random says that latter rain was only to anoint what was in the ground that was sown by the former rain. So that's why Brother Random says if you sow denominational seeds, when the latter rain comes, which is the rapture rain, which is the harvest rain, which look around you, it's the rain that's falling right now. It's the rain of revival. It's the rain of rejoicing. It's the the rain of shouting on the tares and the wheat. Listen, just because the tear, Pentecostal tares are shouting, don't mean we ought not to shout. The wheat shouts right with the tares. The, the latter rain, the former, the latter rain only anoints what you've put in the ground. So the Methodists have sowed Methodist seeds, so they've reaped Methodist. The Baptists have sowed Baptist seeds, so they reap in the latter rain a Baptist lifestyle and a Baptist preaching and a Baptist church. You say, then what did we sow? We sowed the original seed from the original God. And if you sow the original word, when the latter rain comes, you'll reap the original benefits and promises and words to your family and your children and your children's children. He says, this is when there are supposed to be great signs and wonders, which in many great, in many great denominations, this is turned down. Days of miracles are past. That's what they told you, Brother Travis. Days of the apostles are over. That don't happen no more. They sow denominational seeds and they reap denominational harvest. That's why they go through the tribulation. But we didn't put, listen, I'm going to say it right here. We don't sow denominational seeds. We don't sow the creeds of men and the ideas of men. We sow the original word into the hearts of people, the hearts of our children. Why, Brother Matt? So that we can get a harvest of the original seed. I'm going to close. Don't get scared. But I'm very thankful. I love this. Things that are to be. December 5th, 1965. He's coming down to the end. Here's Elijah and Elisha. And the mantle of Elijah has got to be passed to Elijah. Elisha. I'm very thankful for these open doors that I've had. He just got through saying, look here. He just got through saying the denominations have turned it down. But I'm very thankful for these open doors that I've had to go into. And the inspiration it's give to young men like your pastor here. Amen. Brother Brandon, believe in pastors? Amen. Apparently so. That's caused them as I'm beginning to get old and know that my days are numbered and know now that these young men can take this message, yeah. not another message, 
not added to the message. Come on, help me preach. Not taken away from the message. Not just the parts you like or the parts you don't like or you cut this out and you take scissors and cut that. But these young men will preach the message, the whole message. And he says, these young men can take this message and sweep it on to the coming of the Lord. If he doesn't come in my generation, which I'm hoping to see him. I look daily for him. Watch, keeping myself prepared for that hour. To the last recorded sermon we have on tape, you know, the hour will soon arise. There's 12-12, 1965. The hour will soon arise when right among us will be the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, see, the hour is arriving and we, now you just remember that. See, this is the emphasis. God is going to dwell among his people. That's what he wants to do now. So that I say, don't let me hinder you. I just want to repeat that. Lord, if that's what you want to do, then don't let anything I do hinder you from dwelling among your people. I say, let's give the Holy Spirit free reign in this church. Let's give, his, let's give the Holy Spirit liberty. Listen, friends, don't restrict him or constrict him with any of your ideas of they ought not to do this and the music ought to do that and the music ought not to do this and we ought not to go there and we ought not to say that. Listen, do you know you can restrict the Holy Spirit by your attitude? I say lay aside all our attitudes and say, Holy Spirit, move freely in our church, move freely in our youth group, move freely in our homes. Let's turn the Holy Ghost loose in our churches and in our bodies and in our spirits and in our minds and give him full control. I'm going to just skip this. This is the last quote I'm going to read. There's so much I could have read here, but we're out of time. His desire for the Tucson Tabernacle, this was incredible. Go to the next slide. Because he comes to Tucson as one of his last places he preaches these sermons, the last place. And he preaches the message, the message, what house will you build me? Amen. One of the last sermons, Brother Brandon comes to, and I'm just going to skip down. Let me find Brother Mark where I want to go uh, before I have you go uh, there. He says here in, in this third slide after that, go next one. Yes, here. I know that each of you, if you feel like I do, Paul, stop reading. If you feel like I do, this is a good moment because now we can put a barometer on God's prophet. In November 21st, of 1965, what did you feel? Listen, what was on your heart? I know that each of you, if you feel like I do, I am so hungry. 1965, November, you're leaving the scene. You've went around the world seven times. You've watched God raise the dead, a dead boy in Finland. You've watched God, you, you've watched the miraculous happen and the dead raised come out of wheelchairs and throw their crutches down. And here's Brother Branham saying, I'm so hungry to see the spirit of God moving. I just can't hardly stand it.
I don't know about you, friends, but that resonates with something down on the inside of my inside that says, I'm so hungry. How many mothers would raise their hand and say, I'm so hungry to see the spirit of God move? How many fathers, how many brothers we have here and sisters and men that would say, I'm so hungry? Oh, can God see that hand here tonight? See my hands, Lord. I'm so hungry to see the spirit of God moving. I just can't hardly stand it. I want to see you move, Lord. What I've seen you do in, in miracles that you've done here, I want to see more of it, Lord. Oh, some are standing. Could you stand and say, Lord, I'm so hungry to see the Spirit of God move. I want to see the power of God. I want to see the power of the gospel living in men, living in women, living in teenagers, living in our church. I'm so hungry. I just can't hardly Stand it. Amen. Some experiences I've had just up on the mountain, just to feel that once again. That's something that when I was first saved was so glorious to my heart. And we can come into a place, we can sit and we see it among us that we're drying. As we sit here in the desert, I get among my brethren, they talk with me. I talk with them always in a little way of watching, feeling out there with the Spirit as it was to see just the condition of that brother to see what's wrong. I begin to feel us all reclining. The next slide. I begin to feel us all reclining, getting away from the Spirit. It's become too natural a thing to us. We must, we must, we must. We, we, this church, believers, we must worship in the spirit where the spirit of God brother Brandon's going to say is there's the spirit of there's liberty not only our message should be the flame of the hour it should be the flame of our hearts oh I just want to raise a hand and identify again let the message not just be the flame of the hour let it be the flame of my heart it's got to be in our heart the spirit has to pack the message Here's his last words. He's going to speak. Now just hold on. Musicians could play something softly. Here's his last things he's going to say. This is the heart of my message. I'm going to say it. Last things. I'm so hungry to see the Spirit of God move. I just can't hardly stand it. Now that desire has to transfer from Elijah to Elisha. Elisha, you're going to have to part the Jordan again. Elisha, ask anything. Ask anything. Whatever you ask me, whatever you want, will be given to you. And Elisha says, a double portion. In other words, your inheritance, your promise, the purpose that has been on you, My desire is that purpose now that you're leaving would come upon me because I've got challenges in Jordan I've got to face. I've got difficulties and impossibilities of Jericho. I've got got a, a calloused and cold, listen to me, I've got a calloused and cold generation of people. So calloused that the teenagers mocked him. These are hardened hearts. These are people that are so far and diseased with sin. 
And Elisha's realizing they're worse than when you were here, Brother Branham. It's gotten worse. It's darker than 1965. The age has gotten worse. The trouble has gotten worse. The pressure for a believer to live in 22 is greater than the pressure of a believer in 1965. The challenge of the fathers raising children and boys and mothers raising daughters. There was a challenge then. The challenge today that we face, my brother and my sister, is greater than any other challenge. I'll go further and say the trials that you're facing today is hell unleashed. All of hell. All of the, all of the powers of, of darkness you face every day. Hello? Hello? Anybody? You feel that way? Do you realize that? Do you feel that way, believers? You're facing, we're literally living in Satan's Eden. We face a greater pressure even just coming to church on a Wednesday night and, and having to fight through the demon spirits we've went through through just the little bitty city, tiny city of Buford. And the pressure and the, the, the stress. Listen, it's a greater challenge than what was on Elijah's ministry. Jericho's hearts are hard and Bethel's even more sinful. Jericho's even worse. What's it going to take? It's going to take the same mantle, the same anointing, the same faith, the same expectation, the same heart, the same supernatural. Brother Branham spent his ministry blazing the trail to get a church to believe that the God of the Bible was the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He spent his ministry pioneering a people to raise their faith up, to believe that God is, can do anything that you ask. And now Elisha asked for anything. I want a double portion of your spirit. Okay. You've asked a hard thing. Hard? Hard? Hard for God? No. Hard for you? Elijah? Is it hard? No. I'm about to leave. Then who's it hard for you? You. You, Elisha going to be hard you want this anointing it's going to be a hard way but I'm going to give you a promise and this was so amazing when I read this I'm going to give you a promise if you see me when I leave it'll come to pass if you don't see me when I go if you see me when I'm gone, then it'll come to pass. If you don't see me gone, then it won't. Do you know if you, tra if you literally, and I got a literal translation of the Hebrew, what Elijah's saying to Elisha, and I hope you're spiritual enough to catch this. Elisha, when I leave, if you, Elisha, see me, Elijah, as gone, in other words, if you see my ministry as over and finished and done and responsibilities met, I completed my task. Glory. 
and you recognize Elijah's gone, but there's still yet a work to be done? If you see me as gone, you're not sitting here waiting on me to come back, crying over me, where's Elijah? Where's Elijah? I just need Elijah. Do you realize, friends, how enamored people became over the ministry of Brother Branham that we have churches now today that don't believe in preachers? They don't believe in pastors. They believe a pastor gets a tape player and presses play to a tape to an entire uh, group of people. Don't believe in live ministry. Don't believe in the preaching of the Word of God. There's people that believe that. Say, you criticizing those people? No, I'm not here to banter or, or criticize or tear. Some of them are wonderful, sincere believers that are trapped in a system and trapped in an idea. What is it? It's a people who were waiting for Elijah and they don't see him as gone. But for Elijah to receive his commission, he's got to see Elijah as gone. If you see me gone, Elisha, then that mantle and that anointing will come upon you and you'll part your Jordan. And it won't be Elijah doing it for you. It'll be the mantle of Elijah and the promise and those promises just going to close have to come off of those tapes and they've got to be transferred to me can you say that raise a hand and say lord i'm just going to raise my hand now and say let those promises transfer let that faith transfer let that supernatural god that moved in the ministry of elijah Let it transfer and move in my little home, in my little tabernacle, in my church, in my family, in my mind. Let it operate, Lord, in every facet. Could you close your eyes and just raise a hand and say, Lord, that's my desire here. You see our hands raised up everywhere, Lord Jesus. You see both of my hands up now, God. Lord, as I'm just identifying, came all the way to the end of this sermon, Lord, just to say one thing. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry to see the Spirit of God moving. I just can't hardly stand it. Oh Lord, let that be our church that is so hungry. They come every service hungry. They come, we just seen the power of God Sunday, but here we are tonight with hands raised saying, I'm hungry to see God do it again. I've seen God save and fill with the Holy Ghost. I'm hungry to see him do it to more. I'm hungry. I've watched him fill some of the young people with the Holy Spirit, but I'm so hungry to see him do it to everybody else. I've seen the power of God heal a man of cancer, but I'm hungry here tonight for my needs. I got my hands raised up and say, Lord, don't let me recline. Don't let me get dry. Don't let me sit back and just wait on watching somebody else. But let me receive my commission. Because truly, Lord, we're living in the darkest age, in the darkest time, in the greatest trials. Hallelujah, Lord, even our kids that we're raising in this generation have it worse than what I had growing up, than what my dad had growing up. They're facing my children, Lord, the children, our young people that are here in this church are facing some of the greatest enticing spirits that the world has ever known. The spirits of deception and depression and anxiety and, and, and Lord, and on every front it seems. We're facing the greatest battles, mothers and fathers and, and our churches, Lord. We're facing diseases like the world has never known. 
facing some of the greatest tests. Some of the trials our Lord, our families that are in this church are going through, maybe, maybe not even no one knows about. And I'm just preaching to them here, Lord. Facing some of the greatest difficulties, some of the greatest tests. And I just want to remind them and remind myself tonight, we're not alone. We've got the God of Elijah on our side. We've got the anointing of the promises of God. We don't have to fight our battles. God fights them for us. We don't have to even raise our sword or lift our hand. For the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Oh God, I just pray for us, Lord, as a body of believers. And say, Lord, let that anointing go from my head to the beard all the way down to every part of our body. Let it saturate our life. Let the token be applied in our home for our children. Lord, let the Spirit of God move like we've never seen it move before. I raise my hand and say, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to move like you've never moved before in this church. Move like you've never moved before in my... How many moms and dads would say, Lord, I invite your Spirit to move in a way I've not even thought possible. I invite the Holy Spirit to move in my home and my children and my family. I invite the revival. I invite the Spirit of God. I invite the signs and wonders. I invite the power of God. I invited every hands, my hands raised, young people's hands raised. We raise our hands, Lord. That's our true desire, Lord Jesus. That's our request. Let us be anointed by the supernatural. What are you playing? Come live in me all my life. Take over. Come breathe in me and I will rise. Come live in me. Is that your prayer? All my life. Take over. Take over. Come breathe. Come breathe in me. And I will rise on you. Oh, come live. Sing that again now. Come live. Says Enoch has. Uh, this is from last Wednesday, I believe, right, Brother Aaron? Yep. So I don't. I don't think I've got the. Oh, there they are. Okay, they updated. Brother Bruce Paris, please keep Sister Linda and I in prayer. We're slowly getting better. Thanks be to God. May the Lord Jesus continue to bless the ministry there in Buford. For traveling mercies, please pray for traveling mercies for Aunt Jewel and Aunt Connie traveling back home to North Carolina tomorrow morning. We want to be praying for their traveling mercies and a safe arrival home. Don't have anything else, nothing else that came in. Maybe you have a special need here tonight. You just want to represent it and raise your hand. Say, Lord, here's my request. Raise it up to the Lord. 
Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, Brother Matthew, you have one? Go ahead. Like symptoms, they just recently went up to their family in uh, for Thanksgiving, and everybody seems to got a really nasty, violent strain of the flu. Okay. So pray for all of them because it's pretty bad. So remember the cops and also Meredith's mom and dad sick, brother John. Okay. Okay. We want to be remembering them. Amen. Let's just bow our heads, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful, Lord, that we can have faith in your word because you've proven your word in our lives. We're thankful, Lord, for a place, Lord, where we can come to, to worship together, where we can bind our faith together and bring our licks of fire. And that's what we're doing right now, Lord, for these needs. We have our hands raised, Lord, for various needs and these ones that were written down. Asking you, Lord Jesus, to be mindful of all of these requests for those that are sick in body. Lord, may you go to them. We just preached about it here tonight. You're still the same God who heals the sick. You're still the same God who delivers from diseases and infections. Lord, we've just witnessed it here. You heal, you're healing a man of stage four cancer. Lord, you're the same God tonight. You're the same, Lord, and you don't change. So, Father, we just reach out to you with faith, Lord, in our hearts, asking you, God, to be on the scene for Brother Bruce, Lord, and Sister Linda, Lord, tonight. Father, for Brother, Sister Meredith's parents, Lord. Father, for the Cobbs, Lord, that we've just read about. We've just read the request, heard the request, Lord, of the entire family being sick with the flu. Lord, we believe right now, so we ask. May you come and touch these families. Great physician. We raise our hands and join our faith together as a church and say, will you come with healing in your wings to that family, Lord? Father, to all these requests that are represented by an uplifted hand, Lord, I pray that you would meet them in your own supernatural way. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Brother Luther, if you'd come and bring help to get this uh, baptism already, let's sing, Brother Matthew, whatever you had, you can sing now. Yeah, we're going to have a baptism. We want to have them prepare for that. Uh, if someone else could come, he's going to need some help. Go ahead. Me, Lord. Me, Lord. In the fire of your spirit. Oh, consume. Consume. Me, Lord. And may. that again now
time consume. That, that should have kicked off a camp meeting. Amen. Praise the Lord. We should probably just bring Brother Matt back tomorrow night and go all the way into the weekend. My goodness, I was so thrilled with that. I, I, I tell you, that's, that's the straight blessing of the Lord. How many received a direct message from the Lord tonight? I know I did. Spoke to me at such a deep and profound level. Amen. We've got a uh, product of last Sunday service and our dear little brother Evan Johnson is coming to be baptized. You all saw him come up Sunday, told me he wanted to dedicate the rest of his life to the Lord Jesus. Amen. And he wanted to be baptized. I thought it, I thought little brother probably wait till Sunday. And I got a text from sister Jennifer saying he won't, he's ready for Wednesday. Amen. I told brother Kenneth, we'll take him Wednesday if that's what he wants. And that's what he wants. Amen. So we're going to take him to the water tonight and uh, bury him. Are you ready to go? Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Let's see it. Normally I have a, I'm wired up for sound. Let me take this jacket off so I can hold a microphone. on in here. God bless you. So let me step down ahead of you if I can do this without falling. Amen. You come straight on down, maybe about two steps down and then dad's going to come down and give us a hand. <clears throat> and I'm going to need a hand since I have this microphone. Amen. Okay, come on down brother and um, let's just have a seat. Have a turn around, sit right there. Praise the Lord. So, Brother Evan, you met me at the altar on Sunday after the service, told me you wanted to dedicate the rest of your life to serving the Lord. Is that correct? Hallelujah. Amen. And you understand that baptism is an act that identifies you with the death and the burial and the resurrection. We're going to bring you back up. Amen. The death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So you're identifying yourself with him. This is your way of saying, hey, world, I'm a Christian. Amen. Man, you understand that, don't you? Man, I have little doubt. Praise the Lord. My friends, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say in vain. There, there, there's the value of thousands, 10,000 worlds it would take to equal one soul. And heaven rejoices when one soul comes. Because then from one, 
the order of the kingdom of God is tonight, just like Brother Matt was preaching, the order of the kingdom is that it passes on to another and another and another. Because remember that it is, it is sheep who bear sheep. Amen. So praise the Lord. It's up to you to, to let your light shine and pass this gospel. Brother Evan, you'll be charged by the Holy Spirit to tell others about what God has done in your heart. All right. Do you accept that challenge, my brother? Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let's stand back up and let me pray for you. Stand back up and let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're thanking you for the life of our little brother. Lord, the sincerity that's in his heart is so real. And Lord, we're asking you now that as we take him down in baptism, Lord, it's not the water that saves him, it's his confession in Christ. Lord, his faith that you gave him to believe every word of God. Now we come, Lord, in obedience to the word to baptize him in your name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the promise of the Holy Spirit is then his. From this day forward, Lord, he'll be dedicated in service to you. We commit him to you to that end now in Jesus' name. Brother Evan, all right, sit back down again. And uh, Brother Kenneth, you're, you're going to take him down and pick him up. I'm just going to keep my hand under his head because i got this microphone. Amen. Brother Evan, in the Bible, in the early church, the only way they ever baptized anybody was in the name of the Lord. Do you understand that? So that's how we're going to baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Evan, upon your confession and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, my brother, I say congratulations as we baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the way under. All the way under. Now, there you go. Praise the Lord, brother. God bless you. Amen. All right, you can exit there and Brother Luther will be waiting on you. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. Sing for us, Brother Matthew. Before time began, you are on your throne. You are God Before time began, God bless you, saints. You can be dismissed. You are